I love that video, don't you? I just like to see a worship pastor and a youth pastor putting blocks together. That's, that's great. I, this series is all about what our church is about. And, and I have to tell you, every once in a while I have a little misgiving about bringing the series in the middle of summer at the height of vacation time. But God shared it with me, and I just want to give it to you as he gave it to me. I've long been concerned that there are a lot of people in America who go to church, but there really aren't very many people who understand what it means to be the church. The Bible tells us that Jesus started this church to be made up of his followers to do his mission. But in a lot of situations, what I see today is the followers of Jesus Christ seem to be building country clubs without golf courses. It's kind of like a closed club. It's sort of where religious people get, to, get together to do the religious thing for a few moments on Sunday morning before they return back to their life that really life is all about. But if I read the Bible right, the Church of Jesus Christ is to be the most significant organization, or actually organism, the church is a living thing, the church is to be the most powerful entity in the world. Not powerful as in making laws that control everybody, but just powerful in making a difference. And I've been concerned that Messiah Baptist Church rise and live up to its destiny of being what God has called us to be. About two years ago, I began to be very burdened because after we had moved out here, we experienced some growth, but much of that growth was just Christian people who were coming to be part of our fellowship. We weren't really seeing that many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm always thankful when God builds our team, but I, I, I just really believe that more than anything else, the church of Jesus Christ is left here to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ and draw followers to him. So I began to be determined that I would pay any price as pastor to see us rise up to our destiny and bring people to Jesus Christ. It's been an interesting journey. And there have been times that we've taken two steps forward and one step back. And there are times when we've been clumsy about it. But God is continuing to grow us and wonderful things are happening. Most of all, God, though, has shared with me a purpose statement. And I've been giving it to you for the last two weeks about what our church is to accomplish. And we're going to evaluate everything that we do here at Messiah through that purpose statement. Our purpose as we've seen it and learned it already, is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. If we fail to do that, there won't be any reason for us to be here or to exist. The Bible tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross. Lance talked about it a few moments ago. In order that our sins might be paid for and God might have an everlasting connection with us. A, a situation in which we could actually be adopted into God's family. That is what we're about. We're not here to get together to do a few religious things on Sunday morning. We're here to gather as a family and as a team to grow strong in order that we might bring people to Jesus Christ. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others. Because once you come to know Jesus Christ, you're not by yourself. You have a whole family here. And that's what we are here. We're, we're a family. We're not a club. And if you come to be part of us, you are becoming part of a family. And as you all know, and I'm just, you know, oftentimes people come into our fellowship and they say, wow, this is the most wonderful church. I'm so glad to be here. It's like a perfect, I just want you to know this is not a perfect place. This is a family. Families have good days. Families have days that aren't so good. Like when the water main breaks and, and none of the plumbing is working. You know, so you're coming to be part of a family here. But that's the awesome thing. Through, through the connection that we make with each other, we can actually change the world. There have been people through the years who have asked me the question, Mark, can I just stay home and read my Bible? And isn't that just as good as, as going to church? The answer to that is absolutely not. 
There's a printing place over here on North Rock that we take some of our, some of our printing jobs to. And they have a, a business painting up, a business picture up. I've seen it in a lot of businesses, you know, where there's a, a word that has to do with business and uh, maybe a little statement and a picture. It's a picture of an aspen grove. And the word is synergize. And the little quotation deals with the fact that aspen trees draw their sustenance from a root structure so that one tree actually draws strength from the other trees. And the, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. That's what God intended for the church to be. You, you can't be strong on your own. But when you get together with other Christians and you join together as a family, God begins to do awesome things to this community of faith. So our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong. And that's what you're all about this morning, by, by putting yourself where God's Word is being taught. And by sharing that teaching with other people, you are growing in your faith. One of the saddest things that I ever see is somebody who, who comes to know Jesus Christ but never grows. Maybe they stay in church for years, but they never seem to grow. They never develop any strength. They're always right where they were when they started, and they never develop. We don't want that to happen. Our purpose is to help people make a connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong through the teaching of God's Word. But that's not where it stops because, see, we grow strong for a purpose. We grow strong in order to reproduce ourselves to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That means when you come to know Jesus Christ, the purpose of your being left here on the earth is to find other people and draw them in to a relationship with Jesus Christ, not to proselytize them to a religion. No wonder people are negative about that. But to share the good news that they can actually become part of God's family. That is what we're all about here at Messiah. And we've determined that our strategy to do that is by creating joyful, relevant, irresistible environments. We cannot actually connect people to Christ, but we can create the environment. We can set the table. And we've determined here at Messiah, we're going to evaluate everything we do through that grid. What about the environments that, that we create? Are they joyful? Are they relevant? Are they irresistible? I have the joy of meeting many new people who are coming into our family. And one of the things that I hear from time to time is people will tell me, in fact, I heard it this week, several people told me, they said, you know what, we really didn't intend to come here. Uh, you know, we never really intended to go to a church with the name Baptist on it. That's kind of scary. And uh, we didn't really know what to expect when we came here, but we just got hooked on coming, and it was just so great we couldn't leave. Now, we're not where we need to be, but that's where we want to be. We want this place to be an irresistible environment where people say, you know, I love that place. I love what goes on there. I want to be a part of that. We're not there yet, but God willing, with your help, we're on our way. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And our strategy to do that is by creating joyful, relevant, irresistible environments. And last week we saw that there are four cross points that every one of us need to experience whenever we come to worship. When we come here, it's more than just going to church. We're, we're here to make a connection. We connect up with God through prayer and through worship. God connects down to us through His Word and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We connect in with each other, with the spirit of community, and then we connect out with those who have yet to follow Jesus Christ. That is what the church is about. But there are some things in our DNA that are not so good. You know, if you want to know about church, all you have to do is to go back to a book in the Bible called the Book of Acts, A-C-T-S, Acts. Because the, the Book of Acts is the story of the first church. 
And when you open up the book of Acts, you discover that the church is is hitting on all eight cylinders. They're doing the things that we've talked about. They were, they, they were coming together and good things were happening and people were coming to faith. But after a while, things broke down. If you have your Bible, I want you to look in the book of Acts and we're going to kind of walk through this journey of how things developed in chapter one. When you're in chapter one, Jesus is still here. This is before he left. He's still on the earth and he has some words for his disciples. He said, verse eight, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, You will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he was saying to this first church, back when there was only one church in one place in Jerusalem, Jesus was saying to this group, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to have power, and you're going to take that power all over the earth. Not just Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria, and then every place. Now, at that point, there were 120 people in the church. There was only one church. It had 120 people. Some of you say, Mark, I came from a church about that size. It sure didn't stay that size. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and by verse 41, the Bible said those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 in all. Wouldn't that be something? To go to church one day with 120 members, and by the end of the day, 3,000 people. That's the DNA of what we are doing here, the power of the church. Now, if you go to chapter 4, it just kept growing because here the Bible says in verse 4 of chapter 4, but many of the people who heard their message believed it so that the number of believers totaled about 5,000 men. You say, wow, Mark, the church grew from 3,000 to 5,000. Read that again. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Now, I've learned a few things about pastoring. Usually if you have 5,000 men, they're probably going to be 5,000 ladies, you know? That's just a fact. And if you got 5,000 men, 5,000 ladies, what we really know here at Messiah, they're going to be some kids. You know, God has grown our church so much. I, when I go by the nursery, I just want to do this because when we built this building, we were less than half our size or about half our size, and we built the nurseries for those, for, you know, we thought we had enough space for growth, but God just keeps growing us. I mean, while we're right here in this building, probably 100 kids are back in G Force. So you look at the early church, and what happened was they grew exponentially. They went from 3,000 to 5,000. Probably by this point, they were running about 20,000 in church. And so after that, if you read chapter 5, it just kept growing. got to the place where they couldn't even count anymore, and the Bible just says there were multitudes. But all of a sudden, as you begin to turn the pages of the book of Acts, all of a sudden you don't see that kind of growth anymore. It was growing but not not explosive growth because stuff began to happen in the church. By the time you get to chapter 6, there was a little bit of fussing in the church and a feeling that one group was getting more than another group and, and, you know, they had to deal with that and they kind of went past that. And, And the main thing that happened was the church just sort of stayed put. They were all right there in Jerusalem. Jesus had said, after the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to take this all over the world. But there had been sort of an inertia that had set in in the early church. Now look at what God had to do. If you go to chapter 8 and you read the first verse, in the middle of the verse, the Bible says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles fled into where? Judea and Samaria, where Jesus said go. In effect, the Lord had to allow the heat to be turned up on the church 
some uncomfortableness in the church to get the church to live up to its destiny. And I, I can tell you this, I don't like to see persecution, I don't like to see difficulty at any point, but sometimes I think God allows His churches to experience some discomfort so that they will rise up to do what they were supposed to do in the first place. Because oftentimes, in times of discomfort, that's when we turn back to God and we remember what this whole thing is about. Now, I've given you the whole introduction to get to this. I have shared with you what our purpose here is at Messiah. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Now, there could be some of you here today who would say, wow, Mark, I love it. I mean, after the end of the first service, I was inundated with people who came forward. People that are new to me, they said, you know what? We're in this church because we want to be part of a church that thinks like this church thinks. And they were saying, basically what they were saying was, coach, put me in the game. Where do you want me to go? That's awesome. I love that. And it could be that you're here that way today and you feel the same way. You're saying, Mark, now that I know what the corporate purpose of our church is, how do I fit in individually? What is my role in this church that is reaching the world? And so I want to begin to answer that question today. I want, I want to answer it fully. I mean, the next few sermons are going to deal specifically with the roles of, of ministry here in this church and what you can do to make a difference. In fact, by the end of this series, we're actually going to have a ministry fair and give you the opportunity to see all the wonderful opportunities of making a difference in this family of faith. But today I just want to begin to ask that question. What is, what is my individual role? Now that I know what the corporate role is of the church, how do I individually support the mission that God has given to this great church? Maybe the best way we can think about this at the beginning is to see ourselves at a table because that's, that's kind of what we have going on here. And this is what should happen in any great church and what we want to see happen here. Because at every table, at every church, when we get together, there are really three seats or three groups of people at church. And so we're going to think about this for a few moments. I'd like for you to see sort of where you fit in to this church. Uh, in a great church, I believe about a third of the people who attend have yet to start following Jesus Christ. Maybe they're interested. Or maybe they've been looking at their life and they don't like what they see and stuff is not working out. And maybe they're taking the long look and looking way down the road and they're thinking, you know what, if my feet don't turn in a different direction, this thing is not going to end well. So maybe I need to go back to church. Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor who is just invited. Or maybe, maybe you caught us on television or you drove by the church and you're just saying, you know, I don't know what I believe. I don't know if I believe any of this stuff. But I, I just, I know that there needs to be some kind of change in my life. And so... I'm sitting here at the table, and I'm listening to the message, and I haven't really started following Jesus Christ yet, but I'm interested. I'm open. And in a great church, I believe about a third of the people who attend are that way. Now, I have to say this, and I've dealt with this some, even in church. I can't believe people think this way, but there are people in churches who have the idea that nobody sitting in this chair should be in a church service. They have the idea that the church is all, it's a kind of a closed club. It's only for people who are already Christians. What a crazy thing to think. Because when you look in the book of Acts, it started with 120 people. By the end of the day, there were 3,000. That means the overwhelming majority of the people who were at that table that day had yet to follow Jesus Christ. So in a, in a worship service, we, we're, we're just hoping that at some point, someday, maybe a third of us who gather together, because we have invited, those of us who already know the Lord, have invited them to the table. A third of us are here 
And we're saying, you know what? I'm not sure yet where this is going. I don't know where this is leading. I'm not a religious person. I've never been in a church like this before. Or I used to go to church. My parents made me go when I was young, and I didn't like it, and I got out, and I rebelled. But I'm just now coming back, and I'm interested. But I've got a seat here at the table. So it could be that there's some of you here like that. But then in a great church, about a third of the people have a whole different way of looking at things because somewhere recently, they just began to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe it was in a worship service. Maybe it was in a, in a, in a small connection group here at the church, Bible study. Or, or maybe it was through the, through the witness of a friend. Or maybe you just were, used to be in this chair right here, and, and one day it just like all the lights came on and you began to understand what it meant to follow Jesus Christ. And at the end of a service, you prayed with me and you asked Jesus Christ into your heart and life, and you made a connection to follow him, and you moved from this chair to this chair. And i got to tell you, this chair is a great place to be. And a lot of us can remember what it was like when we sit here. Man, you just begin to follow Jesus Christ, and everything is wonderful. You're like a kid in a candy store. And suddenly all that stuff that used to not mean anything to you when you went to church, all of a sudden it's got meaning. You don't know all the answers. There's a lot of stuff you don't know, but you're just loving it. I mean, when, when Lance leads us in worship, you're just all over it. I mean, there are times when you want to sing and you can't sing because the tears are coming down. You try to get something out of your throat, and it's just so rich, and it's so good. It's awesome. And, but still, you're saying, when you come in here, you think, wow, I really don't know if I understand what all this is about yet, but I do know one thing. I know I've started following Jesus Christ. Strange thing about this chair is that most people that really do get a hold of what it means to follow Jesus don't stay here very long because, because they're so hungry to learn. And because it's so rich and it's so good, see what happens is they they sit here at the table and they begin to eat the bread and they get stronger. And before long, they begin to move to the chair where hopefully a third of the church will be. And that's the mature Christian. Because you've, you've gotten strength from God's Word, and, and you just have developed, and you've grown in the Lord, and, and God has taught you things, and you begin to understand what it means to truly follow Jesus Christ, because week in and week out, and day in and day out, you've been in God's Word, and you fellowship with God, and you've talked to Him, and God has connected with you, and before long you have this mature friendship relationship with God. And there's one more chair, and, and I'm going to leave this one open for me, because as pastor of the church here, my role is to be the head chef. My role is to make sure that the table is set with the bread of God's Word. That doesn't mean I'm the only teacher, but it means that as head chef, I'm accountable to make sure that in every environment that you're in, that God's Word is presented in a relevant, joyful, irresistible way. And at that point, it becomes very much about presentation. You know, there are really only about four meats that you can eat in a restaurant. There's beef, there's chicken, there's fish, there's pork. I mean, that's primarily when you go out to eat, that's what you're going to eat. There may be a few more meats, but that's it. Now, think about chicken for a moment. You know, really, chicken is chicken, right? <laughs> I mean, whether, whether it's a $3, $3 chicken down at a fast food place or whether it's $24.95 chicken over here at the restaurant, really, chicken is chicken. But the thing, about, the thing that turns $3 chicken into $24.95 chicken is in how it's presented and how it's, how it's cooked the spices, the ingredients that are added, and the environment in which it's presented. And I really believe that a lot of churches today are saying this to the people who are in this chair, the people who have yet to follow Jesus Christ. What they said is, you know what, this is what we're given. Take it or leave it. We're going to throw it out there. The people who have been here for years, they understand it. We're going to just throw this out here. If If you're interested, you can take it. If you're not interested, forget it. That's what's going on in the average church today. 
But my role as a pastor is to make sure that in every environment where God's Word is presented, that it is presented the right way, that it's presented with care, that it's presented with wisdom. And I promise you, I may not be the greatest pastor in the world. I may not even be a good pastor. But I work very hard to make sure that when I walk in here and I talk to you, that what I'm sharing with you, I've given it my very best. And so it will be throughout our property because God's Word, the bread of life, the, the, the food, the sustenance that gives us the power to grow from seat to seat to seat and to eventually become effective for the kingdom of God, God's Word deserves the very best presentation it can have. And that's why, and by the way, it isn't just teaching, that's why that when you drive onto this property, our goal is from the first touch you receive in the parking lot to, the, to every touch that you feel, whether when you drop your kids off or when you go to class or just even the visual presentation of our facilities. We want this to be the kind of place that you can invite your friend who is yet to follow Jesus Christ, who is saying, if I go to church, the walls are going to fall in on me. We want to make this the kind of place that when your friend walks in, he or she is going to be happy to be in this place. They may not understand everything we're doing, but we want it to be the kind of place where God's Word, the bread of life, is communicated. That's my role here at this church. And you know, that's going to mean that every once in a while, as leader here, I'm going to have to evaluate something that we're doing and say, you know what, we're going to have to make a change. We're going to have to do it in this way. We've never done it like this before, but we're going to have to change. And that means that those of us who sit around the table are going to have to evaluate that and look at that and say, yes, we're going to, we're going to do this in a way that makes a difference. So like I say, there are three chairs here today, and, and you're in one of these chairs. You could be here, you say, Mark, I don't know why I'm here. I'm just beginning to learn, or I've, I've received Jesus as my Savior in the last few months or years, and I'm growing, and I'm, but I'm still struggling with some things. Or it could be that you're here, that you're a mature Christian. Now, you say, Mark, how do I know if I'm a mature Christian? Well, there's something that mature Christians do that set them apart from others. When you truly become mature, see what happens is you sit at the table and you feed on the bread of life. You eat the message. It becomes part of your life. You eat, but it doesn't stop there. See, there's a problem in the average church today because there are a lot of people who sit at the table and their Bible belt is on the last notch. I mean, they're growing fat. They're not growing strong. I mean, they've been to Bible studies, and they've been to church, and they carry the Bible, and they know the stuff, and they think that they're in this chair because they think that they've been in See, the thing of it is, God doesn't give you anything because of tenure. Maturity is not... I've watched people go from this chair to this chair to this chair at blinding speed. And on the other hand, I've watched people who are in church for years, and they learn so much, but they never do anything with it. They're not strong. They're just fat. You know, the Medical Association tells us that in order to have a healthy life, you have to have both diet and exercise. And, and you know, I've tried diet without exercise. I think I've probably lost 5,000 pounds in my lifetime. And I've tried the diets, the Weight Watchers and all this kind of stuff. If you, if you diet but you don't exercise, you can lose weight, but you become weak. By the same token, I've seen people that came into church and they just wanted to get busy right away and they never learned the truth. And even though they might be active in building muscle, they don't have the sustenance to keep them going. What God wants from us is to feed at the table to eat. But then see, mature Christians do something. They don't just sit at the table and eat. There is a point where they push away from the table and they get up and they begin to actively get involved in ministry and they begin to serve other people who need the bread of life. 
That's what God intends. Mature Christians prove their maturity by their ability to get up from the table and to serve. And what God, and what God wants to see happen is mature Christians who grow to that maturity and their service is indicated by the fact that they catch the vision of filling these other two chairs. I've been in church all my life and I've seen many people who have been in church for a long time but they never catch the vision of filling those two chairs. They may take a job at church they may take a ministry at church that's an in-reach ministry, but they never catch the vision of filling these other two chairs with people who need the Lord. That's what God intends. Well, there is one more chair. And um, what happens, see, is a lot of people who are in church, they, they get out of order, and somehow they wind up in what we'll call the high chair. Now, if you want to know what's wrong with the average church in America today, I'll tell you what's wrong. There are just a lot of people in the, in the high chair. Because somewhere, somewhere along the way, they get the idea that this is the mature chair. But see, the thing of it is, it's not that it's the high chair, because we wouldn't have any problem with the high chair. We'd be glad to feed somebody who was struggling to eat. The problem is, it's not the high chair, it's the eye chair. And so somehow along the way, they get the idea that mature Christianity is all about, about being fed. And so you just hear them. They get up in the, in the eye chair and it constantly says, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. I want more Bibles. Deeper, deeper. <laughs> and what they really want is this. What they want is that they want the pastor to turn his back on the other three seats at the table and minister to them. And if they're not happy, see, one of the things that pastors discover, I run into this all over America when I visit churches, what I hear is their pastors will tell me the same story. They'll say, Mark, I, I do my very best and our church does our best, and, but these people walk out of the door and they say, you know what, I didn't get much out of that. I, I didn't get fed today. Well, did that, did that person think it was about them? It's not about us. It's about ministering. But there are people that say, well, I didn't get anything out of that. And so what they want the pastor to do, they want him to turn his back on people that are in this chair because after all, to be honest, the people in the eye chair, they really don't want anybody who's yet to follow Jesus Christ in the church. That person scares them, makes them uncomfortable. They don't think that's what church is about. So they'd like for the pastor to turn his back on these people and feed them. And so what they want to do is they want to take up the pastor's time. They want to take up the leadership's time and saying, well, I'm not happy. And so the, and the problem is the average pastor falls for it. It's like he's up here with the pacifier saying, well, please don't be angry here. I'll feed you. I'll give you what you want. Now, here's what I'm saying here, Dan. I'm not trying to be hard-hearted about this. What I'm saying, if we're going to rise up and live up to our destiny, we've got to take the eye chair and put it back in the warehouse, in the storage bin, and say we're no longer about eye chairs at all. And, and I don't want to be hard about this because I love you with all my heart, and, and I would do anything for anybody here, I believe. But if you're here today and you're an eye chair person and it's all about you and you never really hope to get engaged or involved here in the ministry, you never intend to serve, you never intend to reach out and, and minister to people. If what I've talked about here today at, at the table of all these people being here, if you don't believe the church is all about that, I have to ask you in all candor and all kindness to probably look for another church. And I don't do that easily and I don't do that lightly. 
But what I'm saying is this, if we have too many people in the eye chair here, it won't be long before we'll start asking all the wrong questions. We'll, we'll start asking about how to please people. We'll start asking questions about how can we keep from ruffling feathers. And we won't be asking about how we can reach these people. We won't be asking about how we can minister to people who are growing. We'll forget all those things because we'll turn around, pacifier in hand, try to make sure that we can become keepers of the aquarium instead of fishers of men. We'll build the wrong buildings. We'll invest our resources in the wrong place. We'll take the precious time of staff members, many of whom work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. We'll invest that time in the wrong place. We are determined by God's grace to live up to our vision of taking the bread of life and presenting it in a way that all people at the table can be fed. i got to tell you something. I've been saved since I was eight years old. I've been in church all my life. But whenever God's Word is broken, whether it's broken on the low shelf, whether God's Word is given... I, listen, I can, I can go back to a kid's meeting where a teacher is teaching children on their level the Word of God, and I can get something from it. Even though I've been a Christian all my life, and I mean, I'll do that. I'll walk in Awana sometimes, or I'll walk in G-Force, and I'll hear the message that the teachers are teaching to the children, and it will do something for me because it's still the bread of life. And so you help me. You help me. Our goal is to be the kind of church that will help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Will you help me? And will you enlist in this great ministry to see God do awesome things in this place? Thank you for listening today.